Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. gentlemen good evening to this episode of the surge cast season three episode 31 sponsored by DraftKings, primo x hockey and seat geek newly and part of the hockey podcast network i'm bailey curtis i'm zach martin and i'm cat hunter and yeah, surprise, I'm hosting, guys. This is brand new. Hello. <laughs> um, uh, welcome to the show. We have an awesome episode for you guys planned today. Uh, if you guys are watching the YouTube version, down opposite corner of me, we have the legend. You guys all know him if you are on Twitter, Mr. Walter Ruff. How are you doing today? I'm Jesus. doing well, y'all. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, Walter. Uh, <laughs> I've now, got I get that all the time, as y'all could probably guess. So I'm it's second nature to me at this point. Now oh we have to ask. Uh I, I have to start this off because in one of our previous episodes with Mike Maniscalco, I was told to ask you something and I forgot. And so I want to start off. Um, we I forget exactly how the thing was phrased, but he talked about experiences on the planes Mm -hmm. and I think it was who he'd rather sit next to and something interesting about you came up (laughs) and I'd like to delve into this (laughs) I think I know where this is going Zach do you remember exactly how that went yes uh, Mike was talking about who like you know who he preferred to sit on the plane with and he talked about you know sitting with trip talk about other guys on the plane and then talking about sleeping on the plane and the way he put it is the way you contortion yourself on the plane while you sleep is uh it's very very interesting he said we had to ask you about that how you managed to pretzel yourself into into a plane seat and be able to fall asleep with no issues yeah yeah got a good story on this one by the way can't say I expected this is where we were going to start the. To be quite honest, yeah, I didn't know that either. Hockey man. knowledge from me. I guess I start start with an apology. Um, <laughs> so, my first year with the team, uh, I got to go on the road trip out west, um, play at home to start the year, and then you go out to California. And I think that year, like, we went like L.A., San Jose. Uh, sorry, we started in Vegas and then we flew up to Seattle, but then, and Seattle was the night before Thanksgiving. And then we flew Thanksgiving day uh, to Philadelphia. And that's, uh, I think it was like a six hour flight. And um, I had a late night in Seattle. I had a very late night. Didn't, didn't get a whole lot of sleep. So 
I got to the plane the next morning. I was I was on time and everything. I was where I needed to be. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm six three six four, and I needed sleep. And I can't just do like the sit back, close your eyes, and like all is well. So you know how you have like the trays in front of you, and like you can put it down on the seat in front of you. Yeah, I put that thing down and I was out and like, I'll give a bad like visual representation, but like, I was like, I put my head down and I was like that for evidently six hours straight. And um, <laughs> at some point, Mike Maniscalco got concerned for my safety because I think either he had somebody wake me up or like somebody gave me a nudge like, are you okay, man? Because like, yeah, you're probably not used to seeing like a six foot three guy like bent like this um yeah that did happen and uh it's uh it was a good time but all was well now is this a normal occurrence on planes for you um no i don't really sleep on the plane a lot to be honest uh that was a a bit of an exception and um I, i mean my i can like I can do about like four hours on the plane and I'm good. Like I can occupy my time. I can listen to music. I can listen to podcasts. Um, but anything over four hours, you're just like, is this thing over yet? Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah. And so obviously that was a very long flight. And um, I shortly after we took off, I put my head down and the next thing you know, yeah. Great first impression uh, to make on your first road trip. Oh my yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I got to be honest. I, I guess that was a, probably a big stepping stone for my relationship with Mike because I, I appreciated his concern for my safety. So the way he he made it sound like you were like kind of like laying down sideways in the seat and like like doing acrobatics in the seats trying. Yeah, to he, yeah, he made it sound like you're like a whole different thing. That's kind of like maybe I was. Maybe I was, and I didn't know, but I can tell you that my preferred, if I'm going to sleep on the plane, I'm just going to bend forward. Put my head in my hands and that's it. It's not bad though if you got the three if you're if you got the like the three seats all next to each other, and then you can just put all the armrests up and just lay straight down because you've got enough room to do. I would have loved that. I would have loved but, that. So yeah. so question Walt, are you more of an aisle or window guy? You know, it's funny that you asked that, Kat, because I used to be a big window guy, like just get me into mm-hmm. my seat. Uh and actually most times on the team plane, I am on the window. Um, but if I fly like commercial, I'll pick the aisle these days just because like, I don't know. I (laughs) never know. You never know. Right. Like stand up, stretch your legs, go to the bathroom. If you get bored, like I'll do that all the time. I'll go to the bathroom just because I'm bored. Like, are we done yet? So, um, who's, who's the usual seatmate if you got one, if you guys have to go buddy, buddy on the seats, like who's the usual go to whoever from the marketing department is with me. So we have two seats on the plane for a rotation of eight people um Uh most times it's somebody from video or photo um yeah that's uh that's usually who i'm with nice well uh we have obviously reached the halfway point of the season oh Um, yeah didn't bring me on to talk about the plan unfortunately (laughs) i would oh my gosh yeah no we had no idea Bailey was gonna bring that up first the thing is if i didn't bring it up at the beginning of the episode i wouldn't have asked you and then the next time i talked to mike he would have given me crap for it so i can start Um, so, uh, moving into a bye week you mentioned before we started recording that this is one of the busiest weeks for you, surprisingly. Um, how is that going for you? (laughs) It's good. It's just, uh, I guess there's a little bit more pressure when nothing's going on. Um, you try and 
keep everybody informed and entertained on what's going on, right? Like, um, sure, there's no games for the Carolina Hurricanes this week, but just for an example, like, I was due to put out a podcast myself this week. I talked to Sebastian Ajo, and then you only get certain opportunities like this where you have this break in the action. So I actually did a one-on-one sit-down with Don Waddell, too. That'll come out later this week. Um, I'm very excited, looking forward to that. But then there's also just the basic information component of things like um, this weekend, obviously, is the NHL All-Star. And a lot of people don't know that Thursday night they're doing the fantasy draft. Friday night is only a select few players in the skills competition. You know, where is the game on Sunday being broadcast on TV? So you got to get those articles ready. Um, I'll obviously be watching Thursday night to see who picks Ajo. You write a short little thing for the website and just stuff like that. You know, you try and make it seem as if you're not vacationing for a week and keeping everybody up to date because yeah, it is a cool event at the end of the day. Obviously one of our own is, is at the event. Sebastian's had an incredible season. He deserves all the love he's going to get this week. And, um, you just try and do right by him and make sure that you promote the event accordingly. Makes sense. Uh, Speaking of Sebastian Ajo and the season that he's had moving into the all-star break, uh, he is, if I'm not mistaken, on pace for a career season for himself. Uh, What are your kind of thoughts there? He is, especially since that, I'm sure we'll talk about it too, but like the turning point for the team to me was after the players only lost in Vancouver on December 9th. Um, team's got points in 18 out of 21 games since then. And you start to look at why, uh, special teams is a big one. He's a big part on the penalty kill. He's a big part in the power play. He's got, I think 32 points in 21 games during that time. When a team is down in the dumps, you need your star players to be star players. Those need to be the guys to pull you out when you're down in the mud. And Sebastian Ajo has been that. And there's so many conversations about, you know, Is he a star? Is he a superstar? Is he elite? I think when you look at this past stretch for him, it's hard to argue any of those things. Absolutely. We mentioned a lot about special teams, and I I do want to touch on that a little bit with input from not just you, Walt, but everybody as well. But it's widely known around the Canes community that the Canes are, I believe, first in the power play and second in the penalty kill since December 1st. Um, This is huge news at least in my my head because it, for the past five years the canes have been known as a very defensive heavy team we're known to have a very powerful defensive core that's the penalty kill under. isn't the surprise the penalty kill isn't the but that's surprise. what i'm saying so that, yeah. that's what i'm saying is that it's not a surprise we're known as being a very defensive team that other teams are kind of scared to play against when it comes to that factor specifically, but we're seeing the penalty or the power play really, really thrive this year, which I think is really exciting for the Canes, especially going into this last half of the season. I I maintain that, and I've said it before, and but Walt's kind of said it, it's like Ajo has been a very big piece on both the penalty kill and the power play, but his role in the power play, he is, I honestly think he is championing that first unit power play. And, I mean, both are exceeding more than any of our expectations now for a while. But that first unit, he's got so much control over where the puck is going and kind of dictating how it's going. It's, I think he's, like Walt said, he's the reason it's doing so well. Like, whenever he got put in that position of kind of captaining that unit, 
it just started to excel way more than it has been in the past. I don't know if you've seen that, Walt, but. Yeah, I, I do to an extent. And it's funny, we ask Rod Brindamore all the time, like, what changed, right? Because something changed, like crazy. Right. But he's adamant nothing really changed. And if you look schematically, if you do breakdowns on, like, did anything actually change? Maybe that they try and look to more of that wing opportunity. Like we've seen Table Teravine in from the faceoff dot with one timers a couple times. We've seen Aho on kind of that shuffle from the point, swing it to the wing, shoot it. Um, maybe those in comparison to more of just get it to the point and look for a shot through traffic. I feel like knock on wood, we haven't seen as many of those lately, but um, the guys and Rod Brindham all just, all just say that it's crisper, cleaner, um, execution. That's all there is too. There's a huge difference between a pass being on somebody's tape versus an inch behind them, uh, between making a pass a second sooner versus not. That's the difference between getting a grade A chance and none. I think another underlying element to all this that maybe hasn't been touched on as much as the familiarity. Um, it took a long time to get the units right, right? Like at the beginning of the year, especially, I mean, hey, let's call it what it was. Tony D'Angelo was supposed to be a huge part of one of the power play units. And then it took a long time to get it figured out. Okay, Jalen Chatfield won that spot. Now what do we do with that second unit? And Brady Shea has stepped up to be a great quarterback on that second unit. So, and again, this is all without, it seems like this team still really hasn't had everybody healthy and together for more than like five games at a time. I mean, poor Andre Svechnikov, he's in, then he's out, and he's in, then he's out. And so what they've done with establishing familiarity while not having everybody healthy is fascinating to me. And I think there's a lot of room for optimism and thinking that they will be just as good when everybody's healthy. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot more, like you said, there's not a lot of changes in terms of personnel. It seems like they're moving around a lot more than usually because like you said they're usually going to the point and then trying to shoot it from there and going for rebounds. And now it's kind of like they're moving around to enough to where it's like you're throwing the other they're throwing the you know the PK unit on the other team off to get more space. And I found this really interesting because we talk about December first. How about December twenty? How about since December twenty-fifth? The Canes are eleven, two, and one. They are second in the AHL for points percentage with 0.821. And here's the crazy part. The power play since Christmas, 33.7%, which is first in the NHL. And the PK is second in the NHL since then with an 88.1%. Like, it's crazy to see that you, like what Bailey and Cat were saying earlier, you see a team that's usually known for the PK and there's usually always like top two, top three. Now you're like top two in two different categories of both on the special teams. Like I think that's probably like you didn't even agree. Well, like going 11, two and one since Christmas with special teams being on fire like that, it's probably definitely changed a lot of people's opinions of how the season was going to be, especially, you know, going into the loss with the Canucks in the players only meeting. Yeah. It's pretty rare to see a team, one and two, let alone in the top five, you know, if you're, if you're top 10 in both, you're doing something right. And right. Um, to be one and two or one and one in those, it's definitely a, a step in the right direction for the group. Yeah. And like you said, Zach, they're definitely moving it a whole lot more. Cause I know when a, when a power play does manage to beat our penalty kill, it's because they've moved the puck so fast. That's how Tampa beat us multiple, like multiple times. They were just so quick with their releases and finding each other. And that's a power play unit that, Again, they know each other really well. So now that the Kings have kind of done it, I mean, man, I hope he's feeling really good after this all-star break because I'm missing those one-hitters from Setch there <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch. 
not to say we're not succeeding without him, but it's definitely a missing piece there. Um, and yeah, I know the personnel hasn't changed. It just feels like, I know, like you said, like we were thinking, okay, maybe Tony D'Angelo is going to quarterback this and I guess Burns will quarterback the other one, but really it's Ajo quarterbacking, which is kind of, again, where he's stepped up at that players only meeting is like, he just seems to be. And even then he's like, okay, maybe I'm not getting all like, I'm not the one scoring, but for goodness sake, I'm going to be setting up the rest of my teammates to do so. And his assists have just been nonstop. Like if someone gets a goal, you're like, was Ajo on the ice? Pretty much all the time he was on the ice making some play happen. And like he's not the most physical player. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him throw his body around, but uh, I feel like Jarvis has a few more heavy hits than Ajo does. <laughs> but he's getting there and he's making up for it. But uh, it's it's just <clears throat> love to see because I definitely think Ajo had a little bit of a slow start this season. Um, mm-hmm. He has a little bit of that today. I mean, we they all have a little bit of a slow start. It's a weird comeback of getting getting stretch back, have a couple of new faces. But it's really nice to see when what we consider our all star has. Uh, once he gets going, that the rest of the team kind of follows suit. It's really nice to see. Well, the crazy part too is the fact that he missed like what three games on the West Coast road trip, comes back, and now he's I think what fifty four points. I think they're I even I think Mike and Shane even said like he's still on pace for hundred points, which mm-hmm. the last guy to do it was Eric Stahl in a cup season, which is even more crazy to think about too. So to see where Sebastian is right now with like missing games, coming back, you know that Canadian trip didn't help at all. And then, you know, ever since then, like what Walt said, it they've basically gone off. And another guy I really want to get your thoughts on, Walt, is the youngest guy on the team who's, I think, second on the team right now in points and sets, Jarvis. Like, what are your thoughts on him right now? Basically, like, he's still continually setting his career high in power play, power play goals. Because I think 38 down- points on the season so far. Yeah, 38 points. I think he's got like eight power play goals, which I think the first two seasons combined for two. So, like, what are your thoughts on his, like, third year in the league right now, just how he's playing overall? Yeah, I think it's been a fascinating year for Seth because going into this season, I think everybody and anybody that knows the Canes kind of figured that Martin Stahl and Jesper Foss was going to be that third line. They were locked in. They played, you know, 70 out of 82 plus or maybe even more games together last season. And, all of a sudden we're looking at something different here with Seth Jarvis on the wing there. And the way I've been describing it to people almost reminds me a lot more of the seasons when Nino Niederreiter was on the left wing of that line. Mm -hmm. He was kind of that scoring punch, right? He was that 20 goal scorer. He provided that threat. And don't get me wrong. The met underlying metrics on Jordan Martin, Jordan Stahl and Jesper Foss were through the roof. Like they were out the best teams like crazy. They'd be a nightmare to play against defensively. They were creating chances. They just weren't getting the puck to go in the back of the net. Credit to the coaching staff for going out in a limb and trying something. I mean, for the bulk of two, two and a half years, Seth Jarvis has been a top six guy and to throw him on that quote unquote checking role, even though I don't really see it as that I see it as you're getting a guy with offensive power on the wing of two guys who are going to outwork and outgrind anybody in the league. And so I think it's a a wonderful schematic look. And I think he's finding himself a nice little role. And if that doesn't stick for forever, cool. You've seen him in the top six. And if this is his new home, he looks pretty darn good so far. So I love what the coaching staff has done there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Can't go can't go wrong with the J line who are absolutely just on fire right now, and probably I don't think anyone's going to stop them right now the way they're playing. 
It really so Jarvis, just... Jarvis is an honorary Finn and an honorary Jordan. I was going to say, that, that was really fun to see during the mom's trip. I don't know if you got a glimpse of that at all in person and can provide any of the inside scoop there. I was not on the mom's trip, so I can't speak too much. The, the secret with the mom's trip is anybody who can get booted from the plane gets booted on that one. They, they need all the seats available <laughs> for the mom. So, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's understandable. Yeah, huh? I did get to spend some time with them on the practice before they left at the Invisalign Arena. Um, but yeah, that was a cool moment too. So You you prepared a mailbag, actually, with some of the moms too. And, that was uh, a really we, awesome one. That was an awesome mailbag. We got some awesome questions. What was your favorite question to ask? Yeah, I mean, and the favorite first, answer. I'll, the yeah. first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, I loved someone asked, obviously, it was going to be his mom, but then it wound up being his daughter asking mm -hmm. Peyton Burns what was in Brent's backpack, just because I find that so funny. <laughs> that was that was a great one. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. delivered a great answer there. And I also loved Mrs. Nason's answer um, about that her son having the big heart. And then go figure, right? Like two days later, um, Lindy yeah. Ruff gets hit on on the bench in the head with the puck, and you see Steph Nason going over to check on him right away. Like he didn't even shoot the puck; he's just over there checking on him. So um, right. I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, just try and mix it up a little bit with the mailbags. I thought it went over pretty well, so I'm glad y'all enjoyed it too. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It's like well, because like, so who would you say is probably like the who matches kind of like the persona of like their mom or like who are like the complete opposites? From what you could tell, like, like, who, like, who, lined up who are the mini me's versus the opposites of the? Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say Jack Drury and Liz Drury are like if you stand them next to each other, you're like, oh yeah, like that's that's mom and son yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, and that, 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 that Harvard that Harvard right. connection, that Harvard connection, yeah, right. Because she was an athlete too, like spitting image yeah. of one another, same personality, and then uh. If you're talking complete opposites, God bless Tres Tracy Shields Jarvis and her son. <laughs> I mean, what I an had a feeling. He I is, had a feeling. and what an absolute. I don't even know how to say the other half of that. <laughs> I was say nightmare, but um, yeah. ball of it, a ball of like just chaotic energy. We'll yeah, bless yeah. her heart. Yes, oh, my way to put it. She's so a saint. So I want to get your opinion on, well, not guess your opinion. I guess I want to go, I want to, I'm curious of like what kind of kicked off for the storm report, because, you know, you just said you just did this most recent one within Sebastian Ajo, which by the way, they're all been fantastically amazing. I've enjoyed every single one of those. And you got to be able to talk to the other guys about talking about Sebastian Ajo and then even asking, asking himself, like what went into the process of like getting the storm report going and like, was it your idea? Was it the team? And like, what's, what's that whole process been like, kind of like jumping into podcasting and, you know, having like 10, 11, 12 minute episodes. Like, well, how's that whole thing? Been All right. So you got, to, you got to talk with Seth Jarvis before he got podcast famous. That guy's making his rounds now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess going back to our Portland days, I kind of like, it's fun getting other people to see Seth's personality now, because yeah. <laughs> even back then everybody knew like he was, he's going to be a good egg. Like he's just got a great personality. So uh, yeah, we jumped on that one pretty quick. I knew he was going to be good, but uh, the storm report was not my idea. It was something I was asked to do. If we're being <laughs> honest, I think there are enough great Canes <laughs> podcasts out there. That's why like when, 
they came to me and told me like they wanted me to have a podcast. I'm like, I don't know about all that. Like I really was not in love with the idea. Um, I had to do one during my time in Tucson too. Like it's okay. I don't think to be honest, it, I, I don't think that's my calling in life. I don't think I'm really any good at it, but like you got to do what you got to do. So yeah. tell me what to do. And that's kind of why like over these first 10 to 12 episodes, we've tried out a couple of different things. Like um, we've done one-on-one conversations. Like I've actually, I really enjoyed some of them. Like, um, I love sitting down with Chatty, sitting down with Justin Williams. And then we've done kind of like the hybrid episodes where you ask the rest of the locker room about a certain guy. Like that's what we did for this Aho episode. Mm-hmm. So we did for the Teravinian episode. Um, and then we've also had kind of just like 10 minutes of talking hockey. Like we did that one with Shane Willis. Like they're all fine. They're all cool. Like I'll do whatever the Canes tell me to do. And um, I just want to put out my thing is like, I don't want to do a product if it's not going to be good point blank i like it's got to be good or i don't want to i don't want to do it um and i don't know i i know i'm very hard on myself but like also i see the data i see the analytics i see the amount of listens we get and like you guys know getting a podcast off the ground is hard it takes a long time to develop listenership and um you know i hope that obviously we can continue to do it with the storm report i think some people enjoy it. Some people don't. But one thing you can say is that it's different, right? Like it's very short. It's 10 to 15 minutes. Get in the car, go get groceries, turn that on. And by the time you get there, you're good to go. And um, so that's my thing. I want it to be good and I want it to be different. And that's what we're trying. Nice. Um, I wanted to, I had, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Great way to start off the question. Um I want to know, so we we talked a little bit about the beginning of the season and how things have kind of changed. Um, And I want to kind of focus, we talked about the players only meeting that happened against Vancouver. Um, Some of the struggles that hit the Canes, especially towards the beginning of the season into the West Coast trip and kind of afterwards. And we're facing two of those three teams coming up next week. How different do you think these games are going to look against these teams that obviously caused a lot of struggles last time we may have seen them? It is a bit hard to say. And I think if we asked Rod Brindamore that question right now, I think he'd be concerned with, and most NHL head coaches would say the thing, the same thing, excuse me. Um, the first week back from All-Star, you almost kind of don't know what you're going to get from your team. You're going to find out who really enjoyed Cancun and who hated <laughs> it. Like, it's really crazy to me. Something that I've learned over the course of the past three to five years is <clears throat> these guys are such creatures of habit that really a day or two off the ice can throw them so far out of their routine that they look like a totally different player when they get back on the ice. Um, and so that's always fascinating to see. Now, what we know is that Colorado and Vancouver are exceptional teams, and you would hope that the guys know that these are big games to get up for, to, to come back in style, and um, you know, hopefully this team can pick up right where they left off because three straight wins going into break was a great sign. Everybody appeared to be trending in the right direction, and um, so I'm excited for those games, and We'll see what happens. Yeah. I know there's a there's an expectation, I, I guess, for the players not going with Ajo up to Toronto for the game to take this kind of week to rest, reset, enjoy themselves. Um, do you think there's a mindset coming back um, that may have been discussed beforehand that you think will kind of help propel the boys um, 
and get them out of what could be predicted as like a rest funk of sorts. Um, I think it comes back to what Rod Wingwood says in a lot of his post-game locker room videos that we see on social media. His phrase is, we got to get back on the gas. And it's as simple as that. Like, he wants his guys to enjoy this week for sure. And the hope is that when you come back, you're, you know, you're able to flip that switch. And, okay, it's go time again. Like, we've had our five, six days of fun, and now we dial it back in because at the end of the day, going to come back February 6th against Vancouver, and you're about five weeks from – or, sorry, excuse me, nine weeks from the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to – think about how fast we got to here from the beginning of the season and then mm-hmm. almost take that in half, and we're at the playoffs. So it's – uh you know, there's really no time for fooling around. There, every year there's one team that in the NHL that comes back from the All-Star break and just looks completely, you know, nothing like themselves from the first half. And you never want to be that team. I don't think the Canes will ever be that team under Rod Brindamore. But keep an eye on the standings the next week or two. There's going to be one team that comes back from break and they're going to look vastly different and it's not going to be any good. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially we, we all we all hope it's the Rangers, right? We all hope it's the Rangers. <laughs> well, it, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I know last year they had their they had their week off after the All Star game, and it's kind of and now this year they kind of have it the same week. So now it's not like you don't really have like a a week and a half off. You're kind of like you have that whole same week off, and you're kind of back. You know, we're back playing next Tuesday because we're recording this on Tuesday night. But like, do you think having that mandatory week off? before instead of after do you think that might benefit the hurricanes a little bit more than they did last year where they had to you know sit for almost a week and a half instead of just a week now to be honest i think it's a moot point because i think it's honestly one of the best things the nhl does they went from the scattered by weeks to half the league is off this week half the league is off next week um right, yeah. whether you get it before or whether you get it after I don't think it changes a whole lot for the guys, to be honest. I think they, if you were planning to go to Mexico, you were going to Mexico, whether before right. or after. <laughs> right. A couple of days to do something. And um, so I, I don't know that there's a big difference, to be honest, but it is a challenge, whether you have it before or after. Like, it, think about it. These guys have not had more than two days off the ice at any point since – the first guys came back to Raleigh July 31st. Like Vasily Ponomarov and Svech came back to Raleigh July 31st. Like they've already been on the gas for five, six months already. And that yeah. was the first time during that time that they have more than back-to-back days off. So um, that's always interesting to me. Like it's definitely well-earned rest, but it does take a creature out of its habit. So what do you look like after that? Right, yeah. Because you bring that up because it's very interesting because you look at how – I would say February, March, and even the first part of April, it's like it's just an absolute gauntlet. Because I think you said it. I forget when you said this, but you're like, there's so many games and so many days buckle up or something like that. Because it just seems like it's just every other day for the last like two months. Like, how do you think the how do you think that's going to be um, playing into, into that? How the Canes are going to play? Because we got a lot of back to backs, a lot of every other day games. Like, how do you think that's going to go for the guys cramming 34 games in the span of like two months? Yeah, I don't know the exact math, so thanks. I, sh- I should probably get on that, but I know that there are, uh, know that there are six backs. Yeah, there. Well, hey, he's he's a very busy person. Be like, down. Time, I'm trying to take it one day at a time here. I'm trying to enjoy this All Star break. I know. Gosh, do worry about the postseason, but uh, yeah, no, give us give us right. a break. I think last year was 
22 games in 43 days to figure out the regular season. And I don't know if this year is quite as intensive, but I know there are six back-to-back sets left and it's a real test of, you know, what do you have before you get to the games that matter? And the area that it matters most to me is goaltending. Um, look at what's gone on with the Canes this year. The only team in the NHL to use five different netminders thus far this season. And some of that has been injury related. Um, now the Frederick Anderson thing you could never predict, but Rod Brindamore is on record as to <clears> saying <throat> at times he feels like he's overworked Peter Kochekov. He leaned too much on Auntie Ranta in a short amount of time. So how do you massage the goaltending schedule in order to have everybody healthy when you need them. Look at what happened during the 21-22 season. Freddie Anderson gets hurt in Colorado, and we never saw him again. And we have to sit here and say what could have been, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, fortunately, it looks like coming out of the break, the Canes are going to have at least three healthy options in Ronsa, Kucherkov, and Spencer Martin. Um, So it's how do you keep them all well-rested, ready to go without taking them out of their habits. So that's the big thing where it matters to me. Um, I think goaltending coach Paul Schoenfelder deserves a lot more credit than he gets for trying to manage those things. Um, but that's certainly the eye, or the aspect of things that I have an eye on as we get to it. You mentioned Spencer Martin. Uh, what are your first thoughts? Great performance in Boston. Uh, big dude. I think he's listed at 6'3", 191. So uh, a little bit bigger than some of the other guys in the locker room. I know Freddie Anderson, I think, is listed at like 6'4", 230. He's a big guy too. But, yeah. um, you know, it's funny. Like Rance and Piotr are – yeah, Rance and Piotr are so like tall and lanky, like thin and frail. Um, <laughs> not that, you know, it's been My- a guy, but he's like – he looks every bit of 6'3", 191. So – um, I'm very eager to see what the team has here. And I have been saying that to anybody who will listen since the team claimed him from Columbus, because if you look at it, Spencer Martin's previous situations, sure, there have been times where he's wanted to have played well, but he's also been on some not so good teams or he's only gotten bounced out because he was the third option or the fourth option. There were guys that got healthy ahead of him. I wonder what is legitimately there if he gets an actual shot. And I think he had a really darn good first impression in Boston against a really good team. Um, I don't think the Boston Bruins were as good as they wanted to be that night, but a win is a win. And I think he did every bit of his job. So um, I'm very curious to see, like we were just talking about with the goaltenders the rest of the way, what do you do? Like, because you probably want to get one into a rhythm. Like I think they're going to start leaning on Piotr a little bit more to try and you know, get him ready to be the guy. But what does that mean for Rance and Spencer Martin, right? Like you got to find ways to get those guys time. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And obviously I mean, a, lot of, oh, oh. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of people gave grief because, you know, he's coming from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then of course they put him on waivers. So you're like, what does he like if he's on waivers for the Blue Jackets? And so I was like, yeah, but he's also coming from a team that you wouldn't boast is a defensive minded, like full team. And we have, a, like, and people gave grief to all of our, when we had goalies that left us and then they didn't perform as well, they were like, well, this is why the Canes gave up on them. And it's like, no, no, you've suddenly put a guy in front, like, behind some defense that's a lot worse than Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Shea, and Brett, like, all of them. You just suddenly, of course it's going to take an adjustment. Of course this guy's going to get peppered with a whole lot more shots, and he's going to be a lot more susceptible to some, maybe some not-so-great saves because he, 
the team in front of them is completely different. There's something, and, I think, to speak to confidence there as well, yeah. coming not just out of the goaltender, but out of that core as well. Yeah, and another thing about that he is all of his size, I had a, a friend that was her first uh, NHL game the other day, and she saw um, it was our, oh, it was against the Coyotes, and she, she's like, wow, that goalie is gigantic. And she was talking about, <laughs> and one, I don't think she's talking about Rance, but she's her, and I was like, I'm just going to tell you right now, I was like, I don't know exactly which one's in goal, but I'm going to tell you, so most of the time, they're a little bit like turtles. Like, the shell is a lot bigger than they are. <laughs> I'm just going to get, and she goes, okay, I got it. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll show you some of our goalies later. I was like, I promise you, they look like giant monsters, and some of them are not once you take those pads off of them. <laughs> you know, the first time that I saw a goalie skating around without their uh, leg pads on was probably the most, like, eye-opening, like, crazy experience that I think I've ever had in my life as a hockey fan. It's so, like, huh? Like there's actually like it, it's not I, I don't know it's an actual it's an me. actual human being not just a set of pads over a jersey. This isn't somewhere. a guy in like a marshmallow costume just skating around on the ice. Like I don't know. Exactly. I was gonna ask though too, Walt. Too, I know a lot of fans in the community feel as though the Canes are at like a huge deficit with the goaltending situation, not having a lot of prospects, and then going out and reaching out to grab Spencer Martin. Um, what's kind Kind of the, uh, I guess, viewpoint of the team as far as, you know, like trying to build that prospect pool back up goalie-wise. Well, two things on that front. I think one, I think it's a wonderful thing that they brought in Spencer Martin because you I love it. Yes. Yanni Peretz into a difficult spot. I think they really feel like something could be there with Yanni Peretz, but not now. You know, it's, it's just too, uh, too soon for the kid. Uh, so seldom to see someone go from the NCAA to the NHL right away. I know that Devin Levi of the Buffalo Sabres has done that, but look at his numbers this year. He struggled a little bit. He's found himself back in the American League. So the ideology with the Canes is always take your time building up over time, right? Like they kind of play the long game in that way. Like Yanni, if Yanni Peretz doesn't see another NHL game this season, that could be the best thing for him. Like mm -hmm. let him continue to do things at the ECHL <clears throat> level. You hope maybe next year you can get him to the AHL level, let him marinate there for a year or two, and then find time. And um, to look a little bit further down the pipeline, I think look at some of the young men that they drafted last year. Um, this is where I wish we had Kane's prospects on with us because they're probably a better resource <laughs> than I am for this situation. But I know that uh, Yegor Valmakin, and then I believe it's Ruslan Natsayev, um, I know that the team is still very high on both of those and overseas in Russia. So uh, you're right. I think you can almost never have too many options at that position because it is a bit sometimes like throwing darts at a board when it comes to goaltenders. That's why you see goalies very rarely picked in the first round anymore because you just never know what you're going to get. Um, sometimes a first rounder doesn't hit. Sometimes a seventh rounder does. And so I think that we'll continue to see the Canes try and get guys in that pipeline moving forward. Yeah, I know. Well, even, yeah, even then too, like you also got Jacob Vondras up there in uh, Sudbury yeah, that's as well. Name. And then you're going back to the NCAA thing. Well, it, it reminds me of, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, but Jack LaFontaine from yep. Minnesota. Like, I, I don't know how you, I, mm -hmm. I don't know if you can, I guess, give us your thoughts on that, but it seemed like, you know, going from, straight from playing Minnesota straight to the NHL. And then ever since like he kind of left Carolina, he's kind of just 
bounced around. And he, I, I think he's with someone in the ACHI. I don't remember who exactly, but do you think that's kind of like maybe a, a situation where the Hurricanes are like remembering back on that going, maybe we shouldn't rush this kid so fast? And we, do you think that's probably played into why they want to, you know, Try to save Yanni Peretz from having that Jack LaFontaine situation going from LaFontaine's with the Firebirds in Coachella Valley. Yeah. Oh, okay. AHL then. Okay. There you go then. But I know he has spent time in the ECHL this year too, Mm -hmm. but you're absolutely right, Dak, because you don't have to think very far back to recall what that situation was like, right? Like, who knows what could have been with Jack LaFontaine if they let him start in the ECHL, go to the AHL, and then continue to work your way up. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, that's probably in the forefront of a lot of people's minds as to why they didn't want to do that with Yanni. Now, that mm-hmm. was a bit of an atypical situation. If I recall right. exactly that year, there were six goalies signed to contracts, and I think mm-hmm. five of them were hurt at one point. Or I think some yeah, of- I th- yeah, I think that's what the situation was. That it, just like this year where it's like, all right, we really need to get a goalie. Let's get this guy straight out of college. He, I don't think he even finished that season. I think he went – just came straight from Minnesota. Yeah. To the yeah. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And um, this year's a little bit different with not right. having an mm-hmm. AHL affiliate. You only have four total guys under contract. A lot of teams will have five or six, but right. um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And that's why I, I really do think that going out and getting Spencer Martin was a great choice. Oh no, hundred percent. So, because I know I'm curious because a lot of people have been asking, I know Mike and Shane and probably you a lot like about the whole AHL situation and talk about Yanni Peretz. I, I wonder if they let's say they do kind of figure out okay here's our AHL if it's if it is the Chicago Wolves or if it's a, a very rare occasion where they might add a 33rd team because Chicago Chicago they do their own thing like do you see that that could be a a good way to get Yanni going is just give him the AHL and just kind of figure it out from there if that's a solution for next year if they can figure that whole AHL affiliate thing out yeah, I think it's probably a little premature to look for next year in terms of like what could happen with Yanni. I think a lot right. remains to be seen of what happens at the ECHL level with him. Mm-hmm. Um, when Norfolk is fully healthy, they've got both him and Thomas Millich, who's a, mm-hmm. a big prospect for the Winnipeg Jets. So they've got a really good one-two punch there. But uh, Millich must be on recall right now because they've got, I believe, a, a young kid from the SPHL with Yanni right now. So um, – you know, we'll see what happens there. I, I did ask Don Waddell about the American Hockey League um, this week, and he still seems very adamant that the team will have an affiliate for next year. Um, I guess this right. is where I'm supposed to shamelessly plug, listen to the show later this week and find out exactly what Don said. But uh, I can say that it, it'll be off-season news. And, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. If, you know, all goes well for Yanni at the remainder mm-hmm. of the season in Norfolk, then yeah, maybe you try and get him to the AHL level next year. And um, I think that'd be a potential good fit. Yeah. That'd be nice to have all of our guys in one spot too. So that you're not having to lean on like Kane, like Kane's prospects or you're having to like go to like five different teams and figure out how everyone's doing. And, you know, with, you know, Dylan Coughlin well, and Springfield. You want and him having... to have the, you want him to have the chemistry of playing on the teams together. I mean, look at Nason and Drury, they're popping off and that, team chemistry just from playing together for so long is coming through big time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And a big benefit too, is they could play the Kane systems, right? Like the guys in Springfield right now, Dylan Coughlin, Jamison Rees, Ryan Suzuki, like they're having to play the St. Louis blues way. 
So it's going to be an adjustment when they come back to the organization next year. And that's a big thing. It really only started within the last five to 10 years. Like all of these American Hockey League affiliates used to kind of operate in an independent way. But now with the taking ownership by a lot of teams, like they try and make it as seamless as possible. So that way when a guy comes up to the big show, like we saw with Vasily Panamara, if he doesn't look out of place and um, he can jump in right away. All right. Well, before we start kind of getting into trades, because I have a feeling some of these names might come up here in a little bit, I do want to take a brief pause and we're going to throw it on over to our sponsors. Shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring. We have recently become an ambassador for them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They are a zero to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green, good, red, bad. Pretty easy. Plus, our viewers get $20 off their first ticket purchase with the code THESEARCHCAST. Click the link in our description uh, to download the app. Remember the code THESEARCHCAST. Um, Again, click the link and get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Yes, big big thank you to SeatGeek for having us become their ambassadors. We're very excited to be working with them. Brand new, very exciting. Yes, awesome. Moving on to our OG sponsors in Primo X Hockey. Longtime listeners of the Surge Cast, you know them, you love them. Uh, be sure to check out PrimoXHockey.com for all of your hockey needs. If you're looking for any kind of gear regarding uh, stick grips, pucks and balls, tape, wax, their waffle wax is amazing. And if you're not using it, I don't know what you're doing. Um, you can also grab any kind of merch you need. You'll see a Primo X hockey flag sitting behind Zach. If you are on the YouTube version, you, you can also get t-shirts, uh, hoodies, koozies, anything your heart desires really regarding, uh, miscellaneous hockey gear, check out primoxhockey.com, throw some stuff in your cart and Hey, if you're looking to save a little bit of money, use code SurgeCast at checkout, 20% off your order. That's the Sebastian Ajo discount. Now, online shopping's not your thing. Completely understand. They do have a warehouse off of Diggs Drive in Raleigh. Uh, 1401 to be exact. 1401. Thank you. My memory sucks. Um, <laughs> be sure to go check them out. If you are in the Raleigh or North Carolina area, you may not get the discounts to uh, code or the 20% off in store, but let the guys know that you, uh, we sent you, uh, be sure to say hi. Uh, if you do go check out the store in Raleigh, they do have $5 skate sharpening. So if you're looking to get your skates sharpened locally at a Raleigh based store, uh, Primo X hockey has you covered. So again, be sure to check them out. If not in store, then online at primoxhockey.com. code SurgeCast 20% off your order. And the cool thing too is free shipping if you're in the United States. That's right. And another cool thing too is they actually just picked up a whole bunch of new um, connections to gear and stuff. They actually sell sticks at the store now too. So you can actually go get yourself a hockey stick. You can literally not go wrong with Primo X Hockey. No, you really can. You really can. And honestly, the uh, the the glow in the glow in the dark uh, wax they got that's shaped in a waffle, wow. and it's scented too. You can't go wrong with it. So, I, mean, I love it. I don't know, Bill. You're going to be in North Carolina for a week. I, I might, might have even... to go take a take a trip to see our sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Talk. Because and... I have not put a face to the name yet, so that, yeah. that might be what I do on my off days. 
Yeah, yeah, talking all of them, they're absolutely amazing. I know uh, I've been in correspondence with them a lot um, over the last, you know, <laughs> over the last couple of years. They're a really great group. And uh, I don't know, we might be having something really cool with them soon for a possible giveaway. So I guess you might have to, you know, keep an eye out for that. But It's only fair that we put faces to the name since I'm the one that does their <laughs> uh, business justice on the podcast every <laughs> night. So. <laughs> No, they, they, yeah, I've talked to them. They said they've been loving everything that we've been doing and just stuff like that. And all the guests we've been getting. Yeah, they're, they're a great group. I'm glad they've been our sponsor for so long. It's crazy that we're over almost, I think this is episode 110. So it's kind of bonkers how far we've come. So, but big shout out. Thanks for putting up with our shenanigans. That's all I got to say. So, yeah, no kidding. Especially like Kane's after dark. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was wild. Uh, But I believe Zach, we, we have one more. Yes. So our last sponsor is DraftKings. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. So, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up on the 11th, uh, right now, the spread is that the San Francisco 49ers are a minus two as a two-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that is a minus 112 uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, and then the Chiefs are a minus 108. If you're looking at the money line, the 49ers are actually at a minus 125 to the Kansas City Chiefs plus 105, and they actually have the over-under set at 47 points in this game with the San Francisco 49ers being the over 47 at a minus 112, and the Kansas City Chiefs are uh, under 47 with a minus 108. So they're expecting Uh, a blowout here. uh, I wouldn't say this is... Well, I mean, well, the, the power, giant, it's well, the power the, the, of Taylor Swift, dude. It's the power of Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, well, they're saying that the Niners are a um, they're so they're the two point favorites, but the they're thinking total points wise that it's going to be ah, both teams are I see. so both so both teams are going to sc- score forty seven. So if it's, either way, it's going to be pretty high scoring. Uh, yeah. So I think a lot of people are saying that I think with last year, the, the game was 70, it ended with 73 total points. And a lot of people think it's going to be 75 this year, possibly. So, but they're right now, they're, they're over undering it to be a total of 47 for both teams to score. So there you go. Uh, you got the over under set at 47, do that as you will. And like I said, the giants are a two point favorite. Or not the Giants. The Niners are a two-point favorite over the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks to get two hundred instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Eight with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www. gambler. net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for prom gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boo Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Without further ado, let's go back to the episode with Walt. And we're back. So, 
names, prospects. Um, we're getting, we're inching closer and closer and closer to the trade deadline. Um, and of course, Twitter, hockey Twitter is a very chaotic place when it comes to potential trades and throwing things around and big names and small names get brought up and hypothesized, um, based on the team's needs. First off, I want to kind of ask, uh, going into the trade deadline, is there anything you think the Canes need to correct with the trade? <laughs> you made a loaded question there, Bailey. <laughs> well, uh, no, how, actually, how I, I, think that, I think that actually was a really well-worded question, but I think my answer is no. And here, here, let's have some fun. I'm going to, because you're right. Ooh, okay. I'm going to throw it back to y'all. So, Ooh. all right, Zach, we're starting with you. If you, <laughs> if you're approaching the trade deadline as Don Waddell, do you think that there's an area that needs to be addressed? Uh, I, well, if they, if they didn't get Spencer Martin, I think goaltending would probably be one of the priorities to go into the trade deadline with. But getting Spencer Martin, I think having him as a good placeholder for a third goalie uh, until they figure out what's going on with Anderson, I think that's a good move. Uh, I know everyone's, I know probably everyone's yelling like, "Go oh, get a goal scorer, go get a goal scorer!" Like the team's scoring right now at a really good rate. I mean, they scored three goals each in their last three games. You know. Uh, I don't think you can, you can even go and say depth either because, like, where, where are you going to put the guys? Like, who are you going to get off the team? Who are you going to bring in? Because Brandon Lemieux has been a good 13th forward, you know, when he's been called upon. And defense-wise, the defense has been really good. And plus, like, who who can you really take out of there without, I guess, ruining the mojo or the feng shui of the defense? I'm kind of in the same boat with you, Walt. I'm – I really wouldn't change anything with this team right now because why would you? Like the team's team's clicking right now. They're two points back of the Rangers with the game in hand. I think they got three games in hand on the Flyers too, so they can kind of pull away from them. So uh, outside of maybe a depth piece, which even then it's kind of like why would you do it? I don't really see a change that's very much needed. All right, GM Cat, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Both there's one guy. Third, fourth co-host. I, I would love, I would love to get rid of this one guy, but um, I don't see again. I don't see any problems really. I don't know where you would fit anyone in in the forward lineup. Um, everyone kind of has their spot again. Scoring hasn't really been our issue. If there is a game now that we are struggling to score, it's more like the goalie's doing really well. Maybe a guy's having an off night, but it's not like a common occurrence. Um, I mean, the Arizona game, it just felt like one of those games where you just literally couldn't get anything past. Like the goalie was just on top of it. They seemed to be throwing everything there. And I hated that it was 1-1 because it didn't seem like it should be. And then, of course, you know, once Orlov scored, the gates opened up a little bit. But Zero zero shots in the third period. (laughs) Yeah, like it's – I don't think we're missing anything now that the team has stepped up after that. Like the, that's not a problem. The defense, honestly, now hopefully Orlov is in his groove and we're good to go and we're feeling that third that third pair more. Um, and the goaltending, I'm not. I just want Piotr. Once Piotr comes back, 
when he's back from his concussion and everything, I just feel like we'll be in a better set. Fyodor was playing great. I didn't think we needed anyone like him and Ronce. I mean, that was a pairing that we thought before, like, oh, if we get rid of Ronce or if we get rid of uh, Freddie earlier on, like if we let one of them go, then there'd be Piotr and one of them together. And that's what they were, and they were doing great. Um, and then once he had his concussion, then, you know, those fears of, oh, no, what are we going to do with goalie stepped up again. Um, but now that we have Martin, I don't know, unless it really – unless there is a, a big goalie that – we could just see that we would like we would trade a couple pieces for maybe pops up, but I feel like the deal would have to be really good. Like I say, if anything, maybe a goalie still, but I feel like the deal has to be really, really good. Like it can't be we don't we don't throw our pieces in for something one off for a little bit of time. It has to be something for the long run. Um, so I, it's a no with a like maybe, <laughs> but it's mostly a no. <laughs> Bailey. I feel like I'm going to go a little off board with my answer here. Um, I don't think there's much concern as far as the team for the rest of the season is concerned. My biggest concern is with the contracts that expire coming afterwards. Um, We have a lot of guys who are going to be expecting some decent paychecks. I think um, my 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 first thought goes to uh, the second D pairing in Brett Pesci and Brady Shea um, in trying to get everybody that we need to get re-signed, re-signed and with a limited amount of cap space to do it. Um, I think it would be wise of the front office to kind of take a look, start having those conversations early. Um, get ahead of it, figure out, okay, what are people asking for? And if they're asking for something that maybe they're not able to provide, because I mean, I I can sit here and uh, assume that, you know, Jacob Slavin's getting re-signed. That contract's not one we have to worry about. Seth Jarvis is likely one we don't have to worry about. Um, But there's, I, I would worry about some of the other guys and maybe, okay, if maybe we can't offer that, what can we get in return for maybe shipping them out, maybe trying to get some draft picks and making creating that space and trying to rely on creating a deep prospect pool that we can maybe pull from or trying to find a cheap alternative that we can put our faith in. Because I, I feel like the, the team's uh, scouting is really, really talented in that regard and finding that cheap talent, finding that uh, really late draft talent as well, too. Um, so I, I honestly think that would be their biggest benefit coming up on the trade deadline. Um, personally, if you had asked me or flip this around and asked me this maybe like a month or two ago, I might have a different answer. Um, goaltending was definitely a concern for me for a while. Um, I'm not going to lie in saying that, again, our penalty kill was a big concern given its success in the past years. But honestly, I, I think they've, they've, they've wrapped everything up. And honestly, all they can do at this point is create, fix their future, build that future forward. Well, and even then at the deadline, well, even then at the deadline, like you said, we're not probably not going to get rid of, rid of any of those pieces, those core pieces that we're going to have to figure out about next year, like the second pair line. Like at the deadline, you're not going to see – I wouldn't think you would see Pesci or Shea go anywhere. No, I, like, I'm not saying you see them go there. But... The cup run, you'd be like, all right, it's working, but we don't know about next year. Bye. <laughs> like so I would – yeah. <laughs> 
So here's the I, thing. So so right now the current cap the current cap for the Hurricanes is four point five eight four million, and then at the deadline you're looking at eight point seven three two million per cap friendly. So you can do some damage with eight seven for sure. Doesn't mean that mm-hmm. it's gotta be used. But so oh, here no. here are my rebuttals to to each of y'all's <clears throat> propositions. And Kat, I think you nailed Bailey's like. You probably aren't going to move out one of Shea or Pesci. No, not at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, that that would mess up some mojo. I think goaltending could be a fair assessment. You but you got to be careful that you're not paying too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you bring in another goaltender, then you're potentially at one point paying on your roster. And yes, I know that Freddie is on IR, but you got Freddie signed for next year. You've got Kochetkov signed for three more years after this year. Rance is an expiring contract, but then you've also got Spencer Martin too. But like, you got to be mindful that you're not at any point paying five goaltenders on your roster when you can only dress two. Um, so I think they're probably okay there, unless Cat, you brought up a good point. Unless you can take a big swing for the fences and try and get somebody who might be there for years to come with Piotr as kind of like a one A one B. But it all depends on what's out there. And um, Zach, I think yeah, I'd probably maybe look at the a depth winger that can score maybe mm-hmm. somebody like who could maybe alternate in that Brendan Lemieux role. If you don't need toughness, if you're, if you need a finesse game that you need to play scoring with, maybe that scenario you look, but um, you know, I believe to quote Don and what he told me was, we're always going to look to make our team better. Um, but it's all ultimately what's available and what's out there. Right. Because, you got to be mindful of who to move off just as much as who to move on. So, um, right. yeah, it's fascinating. It's, um, we're going to be, by this time next month, we're going to be extremely tired of talking about the trade deadline. It's inevitable. It's the byproduct of the season, the all-star break, and then everybody, all anybody wants to talk about for the next month is the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I do not envy you in your bajillion million mailbag questions of <laughs> trade deadlines, trade deadlines, and trade deadlines. I mean – Let's just say, like, if you want to throw out a guy that you can probably go after, which wouldn't be a bad option, maybe like a Cole Perfetti from Winnipeg or... I'd be surprised uh, if they moved him. I would, too. I don't know. It's... Like you said, there there, there could be, like, a swing for the fence move they really go for, or there's a guy they can go get that could be worth it. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless you go to someone like Chicago, be like, hey, do you want to give up, you know, Dickinson or someone who's, you know, who's scoring but you know it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg so yeah it's you it's kind of it's hard to predict of what you're going to do at a trade deadline where like right now the hurricanes are playing good hockey and like how much of the how much of this season do you want to give up or how much of the future you want to give up too because that's the one thing that everyone keeps forgetting is the fact that it's like you don't want to give up the farm for a short-term solution right because because then what are you gonna do afterwards where your prospect pool is barren and now you're kind of like you have all these contracts to figure out so it's it's a it's a lot of short-term and long-term you have to figure out and i don't envy eric tolsky or don waddell and eric tolsky i've heard his name get thrown out a lot by a lot of other teams and podcasters going like oh we need a new gm who can we talk to he's a very talented guy um, yeah, don't. I don't know if I, you I have any words like, there. Keep, well, keep him here. <laughs> I have all Eric. the respect and all the love in the world for Eric Tolsky and Darren York. Darren York does not yeah. get enough credit either. He's he runs the draft for the team. It's a true 
two, three headed monster, right? Like Don, mm-hmm. Don's really involved on the business side, like probably more than people think. And then mm-hmm. Darren and Eric do a lot of great things on the hockey side. Like obviously Eric is a, an absolute wizard when it comes to numbers and Darren's got the prospect side down and don't get me wrong. There are many, many other great people on the fourth floor, Aaron Schwartz, Earl Schwartz, Trace Linton. Like there's a lot of, a lot of good people up there for sure. No, hundred percent. And we also we have to shout out just like you know you shout them out and marketing as well, and even like the graphics team, like the graphics in the video, the videos this year <laughs> have been absolutely phenomenal. Like, like what's what's that like? Just seeing it in the background, like behind the scenes, just these amazing groups that we have here at Carolina, just absolutely putting out the work that they've done this year in terms of just graphics and videos and just content in general. Yeah, yeah there's been a lot of changes already in my three years with the Canes for sure. To be honest, um, credit to Mike Foreman and Dan Lotzaraka. Those are the two guys who have been, you know, leading the ship in the right direction. Even Matt Suter, um, you know, those are the guys who are trying to make sure that everything's on the straight and narrow. And, you know, we've brought in new people who, you know, maybe in positions we didn't have in the past. Like we have somebody solely overseeing graphics and videos now for the first time. And, um, you know, the, the vision is very clear. I'll say that like it was from the start of the year, the brand campaign was cause chaos. And it is pretty rare to see a team have the same creative campaign as the locker room. Like they're like, they met with Rod Brindmore before the season and they're like, Hey, what's something that like you like and stands with your goals and that we can use and we can brand. And so um, again, I give Mike Foreman, Dan Lanzaraca, a lot of credit for, uh, for having those folks and everybody pointed in the right direction for sure. No, hundred percent. So I know people are going to be asking too, because I know a lot of teams have been really leaning in on YouTube and stuff like that. I know people are probably going to wonder about that. Like, have you heard anything or is there hopefully somewhere maybe next season or somewhere down the pipe that we might get, you know, more of a, behind the scenes like what the what the blue jackets do with like behind the cannon or um i know the king's been doing a lot of stuff too and there's like a bunch of teams doing a whole bunch of behind the scenes stuff of like have there been conversations possibly with hurricanes youtube kind of getting a resurgence yeah yeah i think it's fair to uh to expect that in in due time um they're you know it's definitely not lost on people that it's something that should be up and running i think it's just a matter of the past year or two has been break it down to build it up and do it right. Right. Like there's whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes that maybe people aren't as versed on. Like, for example, like the, mm-hmm. uh, the lawsuits that have gone on with copyright music, with TikTok and YouTube and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I think that probably played into the decision. Like, Hey, we need to just get some of this stuff off before we get into any legal trouble. And because it was just a different game in 2014, 2015, right? Oh like, yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So much has changed. And so, yeah, I think in due time, we'll, uh, we'll see that Kane's YouTube up and running. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people are, you know, been wondering about that. And there's there, I think that once, like you said, once that is running, I just think it's going to be, as always, we well, from what we see with the organization, great. Just you got to do it right, right? You got to do it right. Speaking exactly. of things running, do you have any information for us? Uh, we, we've got, I, I know last time I talked to Dan uh, LaTaraka, he mentioned that you guys are on the, in the process of moving forward with getting involved with sports betting and creating a cool environment around PNC with that. Do you have any more information for us regarding that? Um. 
this one I got to be careful because I don't know how much is out there publicly. But uh, <laughs> we we, we do we do hard hitting questions. Yes, my favorite. The Hurricanes do own the backyard beef shirt, so we do know that at least that that is a that is true. Thing. That yeah. did happen. Um, put it this way: when sports gambling, I think it's now like signed into law that it goes effective March 11th. Um, I believe so. Yes, the Canes will be ready. Okay, and I, more <laughs> will come, but March 11th. And also, it's out there that Fanatics is the partner. Um, the Canes and Fanatics will be ready. <laughs> <laughs> also, I know this is probably more of a more of a thing I should push uh, Dan on, but I should also say to you, so you can kind of push this. I mean, we know how the Sabers have their between the stalls. Um, I'm saying we should definitely have something with Jarvie in that. I mean, I feel like that's just <laughs> an opportunity. That may, he, that just that seems like his element, does it not? Like, just get Jarvis in front of the camera. Yeah, no, <laughs> if you could right. between his nap times, of course. Yeah. Oh no, you're absolutely right. I think those sorts of things, like that's obviously tremendous what they do in Buffalo, right? It's got to be the perfect mix of like organically finding it versus like. Mm -hmm you don't want stuff to be forced, right? Like yeah. there have been, trust me, we've had meetings upon meetings upon meetings of trying to find like our thing, right? Um, and again, I think that's something that will come in time. It's not lost on people like, you know, our office watches that stuff all the time. So you got to know what's out there, what's good content wise and how you can, you know, get in on the act without exactly replicating or stealing someone's shine. That's a big part of it too. Um so yeah, I mean, we uh, used to have, we used to have, uh, was it Hamilton and who was riding? Someone was riding the scooters in downtown uh, for a little bit. I don't know if it was Hamilton or if it was. We had a couple players doing that. So I mean, honestly, just just get Jarvis in front of the camera. That's all everyone wants. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him thrive in his podcast appearances. So I. <laughs> Or or just or just interviews in general. But that boy's so, getting comfortable at the NHL level, huh? Twenty one years old, about to be twenty two, and everything. I also love that he brings it out in Stall. Like Stall is normally the most like non like just like very straight, very like no not saying no emotion, just very like whatever. But then you get him talking about Jarvis or laughing at Jarvis, that man's emotion just spikes and it's fantastic. Uh, it, it, it was so great though when it was uh, when the three of them were talking on the bench after their little scrap in front of the uh Kane's bench with uh, I forget who it was, that little like brouhaha they had in front of them, and all three of them were just laughing mm -hmm. about it on the bench too. So I want to get your I wanted to see what your thoughts on of like who kind of like stood out to you in the first half that you we're kind of surprised on and then who do you think is going to have like a more impactful or kind of like carry their like how they started in the season and maybe carry into the second half like who's kind of surprised you and who do you think is going to be like the guy that everyone should be keeping an eye on that maybe is kind of getting overlooked okay so for surprise i'm going to go with jack drury and here's why mm -hmm. um, I always like to reflect on like the start of the season. And I remember going into training camp, like throughout the summer, people were asking the legitimate question of how is the last center spot going to be, be solidified? Right. Because you've already mm -hmm. got Sebastian Ajo, he's very Kokinami, Jordan Stahl. Like those three are not going anywhere. Point blank. Doesn't matter if it's one, two, three, one, three, four, however way you slice them. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a legitimate question of, more so Jack Drury versus Vasily Ponomarev and maybe Ryan Suzuki had an outside shot. Um, but, 
you know, it was going to be Drury against Panamarov, and then Panamarov gets hurt the first day of camp, and it's kind of story like the battle was over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Drury maybe didn't have the exact start to the season that he wanted, but man, you talk about like a turning point. He played the best month of hockey in his entire career thus far in December. And now look at him. He's getting the second most center minutes on the team. So what a fantastic jump forward it's been for Jack Drury. It felt like, you know, after two seasons of, okay, is he ready? Is he going to stick? Like, he looks like a legit NHLer now. He's getting power play time, too. Like, he's a legit player, and I'm super happy to see that. Um as Especially because we weren't sure about it because he re- he requested a trade. So all of us were like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of jury. And then we thought some of the guys would come up and take that spot. Yeah. Well, then in talking about that, too, we I, I personally have loved seeing the chemistry between him and Mason prosper mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. That's that's a big you know, part of why they've had as much success as they had. They know each other like the back of each other's hand. Their games complement each other very well. Like Nace is so good below the dots. Jack Drury's good between the circles and the slots. So um, now it does bring up a very fair question. And what does that mean for Vasily Panamarov? Because he looked pretty darn good when he was up too. So <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know the answer to that one. I left my magic eight ball over in another room. <laughs> there, um, But I'm excited for both of those guys. And I think there's a lot to be excited about there. And as far as the player to watch in the second half, especially after scoring four goals in five games going into the break, how do you not see Martin Nages? I mean, what a, mm-hmm. a polarizing guy, right? Like which part of Martin Natchez are we going to get? Are we going to get 21, 22, you know, not living up to the height Martin Natchez, 22, 23, you know, leads the team in points with 71, mm-hmm. you know, not so great start to the year. Does that mean second half of this year, we're going to get the 22, 23 version of Natchez. So right. he's looked really darn good in the past week or two leading up to the break, coming back from his injury. He looks confident. He's attacking the middle of the ice. Everybody in here knows how dynamic of a player he is when he's playing as well as he can. He is a literal game changer and game ender during overtime and three on three. So, um, man, you know, he's just a player who you look at and say, wow, if we can get that consistency out of him on a nightly basis, he'd be just as locked into the fabric of this team as Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechnikov, Sperry Kokaniemi, and everyone who else has gotten an eight-year contract, right? Like the Kings make it known. You play our way. You give it 100% effort. You show up night in and night out. We're locking in long-term. We're going to show we want you here. And it's almost like for the past two, three years, like with Natchez, it's like, it's right there. Come on. Like, um, yeah. I'm fascinated to see if hopefully we do get the better half of Martin Natchez here through the finish. Yeah, he's shooting more than he did at the beginning of the season. I'm all for it because I was just like, Natchez, just shoot it, stop drop passing it, shoot it. Please. <laughs> and now he is, and he's scoring. And it's like kind of like before when we were like, Turbo, can you just shoot it? We know you're passing, please just shoot it. And now Natchez, and so they're like, please. And so now I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to be like, Natchez, just a little bit more on defense. That's all I want. Just throw that body a little bit more. If I just ask for it, maybe it'll happen. It will be. Maybe they hear me. The hockey gods hear little murmurs. It will be interesting though, because I think, because I know he, I think, I think he might be arbitration eligible. I'm not 100, percent but I know him and Jarvis are both going to be RFAs at the end of the season, and then even David Teravainen is going to be UFA. So I'm really curious to see like how that works out for them, because like you think about it, if you get those three kind of like locked up like you said, Walt, and get them around long-term, you've got a top six that's basically going to be 
you potentially locked in for what a good possibly another four years. I mean, who would we'll be who like Tampa? Be... We have the same team nonstop over and over again. That's I mean, familiarity, I mean, right? We've already used that word this show. Yeah, it, 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 it would give you like who would really be upset with the top six like that? And then you think about guys who you like kind of farther, you know. Not really depth pieces, or like you said, on like the third or fourth line, because you know we all know Rod Burnmore doesn't like to number his lines because he'll tell you that to not do that. But you think about like also Michael Bunting, you know, Steph Nason, you know, Jack Drury's been on it too, and then of course you know Stalin Martinuk. Like, like what, like what's it been like? Just you know, because I know we kind of had you on to be before the season started, you know, talk about Michael Bunting. Like, what's it been like? Just you know, being around him for as long as you have so far this season, like he, I think he's, I think he's what's high for third billion points, I believe. I know, I know he's up there. Uh, but like, what, what's that been like? What's that been like? Just like watching him, you know, more closely now since you know you guys. Michael Bunting is fourth and uh, no tied for third with Martin Natchez. Okay, there you go. Um, obviously, a very offensive player, very gifted with the puck. Uh, just seems to know and have a knack for the net. Um, it's probably been a little bit more of a challenge this season than maybe Michael anticipated, anticipated, excuse me, but he's also not playing with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner anymore. Those are two of the game's <laughs> elite talents, and that's not taking anything away from Andrei Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravine, and just you have to play a certain type of way. Like the Canes have the way that they play, and that's just the way it is. You're either going to fit or you're not, right? And I think yeah. it's taken a little bit of adapting for Michael, and the fact that he's still tied for third in points while he's been adapting. Like he's been on the first line, he's been on the second line, he's been on the fourth line. So he's been power play one, he's been power play two, he's been all over. So, uh, you know, I think. Very similarly to the other big fish free agent signing, Dmitry Orlov, like it's taken time, but mm-hmm. especially as of late, things are trending in the right direction. And I think that's a, a good thing for Michael Bunting for sure. Yeah, no, it, it seems like he's, it seems like he's getting a lot more comfortable because I know he like I think he did an article most recently with NHL, and then I saw a video recently of him just absolutely whacking the crap out of Burns at the uh, at this at the uh, the Storm Surge. It seems like he's. Like very comfortable from what it seems like around around a lot of great guys. locker room guy for sure. That that is undoubted. He's he's very loved in there and uh good good personality for sure. Yeah. With the grading of the players, I want to throw in a little piece of the podcast that uh, is a little spontaneous or spontaneous. Nobody was expecting. Um Walt, we're going to play a grading game. Um so <laughs> I could. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm very surprised. I wasn't expecting this to happen either. Well, so. you no. gave her hosting powers. What did I, you expect? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I was going to say, again? you should know me well enough, Zach. So, yeah, that's the way this true. is going to work. Uh, I'm going to throw out a few players to you as long as you have the time to stick around with us for a little bit longer. Okay. Um, I want uh, you have the entire school grading system A through F. You can add a plus or a minus. Um, give your explanation. I uh, just want to kind of hear your analysis on the names that I throw out to you. And the first one I am going to start out with, Pyotr Kochetkov. B. Uh, started as the third option. Started in the American Hockey League. Excelled. Came up. Had to be the guy. Has been the guy until he got hurt. Um, and 
I think everybody would have understood given the circumstances if it didn't go as well as it had. Like, don't get me wrong, the first stretch was tough for Piotr, but this last little bit, he's been good. So um, I think there's more to get to with Piotr, but all things considered, I give him a good B. Speaking of B, Brent Burns. I'll also go with a B here because he's such an important part of the first pair and the power play. I think um, Rod Brindamore's talked about it too. He's had some difficulty with getting shots blocked this season. Um, I believe far and away leads the NHL in shot attempts blocked this year, but he kind of is that guy, right? Like I think it was December 27th in Nashville, Rod Brindamore said, we need to get him unlocked a little bit more on offense. So part of that comes shooting more and part of shooting more means shots getting blocked. And so um, a big fabric of the team. I think this team looks entirely different without him. So I'll give another B. Uh, Moving down to the second pair, Brett Pesci. This one's a little bit tougher for me because it probably hasn't been the season that Brett's wanted points-wise, but he's not counted on to be your point-scoring defenseman, right? So I always like kind of struggle there. Like Rod also always says, like we judge guys based a lot on points, but the coaching staff doesn't look at it that way. Like, how are his underlying defensive metrics and things of that nature? So, um, you know, I, part of me wants to say like it's been a, about an average season for Brett. Like, I don't know. Does that mean C? Does that mean like B? I don't know. So, I I struggle with that one a little bit, but he hasn't been detrimental. I know that. Uh, real quick, baby, before your next person, I do actually no. want you, you bring up a great point, Walt, and I really want to get your opinion on this because we've talked about it a lot. I know Mike and Shane have talked about it a lot, and I really want to get your opinion on this because everyone keeps bringing up just Barry Cockney. I mean, how, his, how he had a hot start, he's kind of slowed down a little bit, but he's been I think Bailey was going to bring him up soon, <laughs> but he was, but I feel like he's been more dependent on more of the defensive side of things the, the, for the whole back half of the back half of the first half of the season rather than how him and Tavo kind of like carried the team for the first part of the season. And I guess not just, just Barry, but just, I guess just in general, like looking at guys like, you know, Jordan Stahl and guys who are like, are not putting up the points that everyone thinks they should. But my question for you is why do you, why do you think people need to stop looking at points as the end all be all to judging players more than like you said, with how this coaching staff and how we've, how we've talked about it and how Mike and Sham talked about it. It's if you're doing your job, that's what matters. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Because there's so much that goes into it, right? Like Mm -hmm. think about we're basing some of this on an NHL team averages, like what three goals a game. Like not everybody's Mm -hmm. getting on the score sheet every game. That's just the way it is, but you need timely goals up and down the lineup. It's not going to be the same guys scoring every game. Unless you're Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, things of that nature. So your point scoring comes from all over. And I think for me, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. And I think part of what I would say with Jesperi Kokinami, the first half of this year, look at who he spent a lot of his time with Michael Bunting and Martin Natchez. Michael Bunting still trying to figure out the system. The Canes mm-hmm. are still trying to figure out what they have in Michael Bunting. We've used the term familiarity already. That's just not been there for Michael Bunting yet. It's getting there. They're going to find a permanent role for him. But you've got him on one wing and you've got Martin Natchez who struggled thus far this year on the other wing. So it's like 
how much of that can you really put on Jesperi Kokaniemi, who is kind of doing his part in the beginning of the season? So it, there's Thank so many you. factors that go into it that it's just it's not fair to look at. He's got X points. He's been good or bad this year. It's just, there's it's so much more complex than that. And and that's basically what we've been saying. And is now everyone who's been saying it and talking about Jesperi or whoever in general. Here is your example of why to not stop looking at points because everyone brings up plus minus. I always view it, and I know Bailey and Cat do the same way. That is a it should be a context stat to time on ice and who they're matching up against. Plus minus only it can only go so far, and that's the same thing you said with points. Yeah. Points can only go so far. So it like and like you said, the familiarity with where Kokaniemi's been, he's got, his line mates have either been bunting or natures or he's been moved out of the fourth line or he's had different guys come up onto his line too. So he hasn't really had a solid line to work with all season that you can yeah. other see with. Yeah. I, I want to get your opinion on that. Cause I know it's been a lot. He's KK has been brought up a lot and everyone talks about Jordan Stahl and his points and all this other stuff. And I feel like getting someone's opinion of like, you know, you're around the team a lot. You, you hear what the coaching staff says, you know, their thoughts on it too. So I wanted to just, have everyone hear the the thought process of like looking at points and looking at are you doing your job outside of just the points? So thank you. Got it. <laughs> okay, Bailey. Sorry, I, I don't want to no, let you it's on okay. <laughs> I yes, Barry Kokanami was a name that I was gonna bring up. So um <laughs> based on kind of talking about it, where would you kind of grade him on the season? See. See? I think he's been fine. I think that, again, there's so much that goes on around him that, you know, it's okay that he's had the season he's had. He wants more of himself. Um, the coaching staff wants more from him, and he'll be just fine. Um, and we see it's very seldom that you've got everybody on your team playing exceptionally at the same time. I mean, my goodness, look at – we've talked about so many different areas of this team just in this show alone – power play, penalty kill, Sebastian Ajo, all the things that are going right for this team. Like you're never going to have 18 guys on 18 game point streaks. Like that's just not the way it works. And so um, he's been fine. I think there's more to get to in the second half for him. And I think we'll get there. I mean, yeah, it's an ebb and flow. I mean, we talked about how well Seth Jarvis did. Seth Jarvis had the sophomore slump big time. Yeah, We talked totally. about Brett Pesci this game, this year, maybe it's a little down for him, but he's normally been so good. But right now he's playing maybe not his best, but enough to support his partner and Shay and Shay's having an excellent season. Exactly. So it's really like, are you, maybe you're not playing your top hockey. And I know the biggest reason people are bringing up KK is because of this contract. Um, it's the same reason things come up with Orlov from time to time, but are you, it's not just what you, it's a team sport. It's not just what you individually are contributing. Is your team winning? And you might not be playing your best, but you're supporting your teammates and your line mates so that they can see and that you can win as a team. Absolutely. He's supporting. He's doing the defensive work. He's putting in all the other things. Like maybe and he's so close to scoring. You can see the amount of times I've seen that puck go through the blue crease when he's up there and the passes he gives. It's just his line mates. Maybe he doesn't he hasn't played with bunting that long. That chemistry still needs to come. He got used to some of his other line mates. They got switched around. So I I agree with well, I mean, C could be C, sound good or bad but i agree like he's doing what he needs to do to get the team to help the team with what he can do and then once he's out of that slump he can help them even more i think but, the thing that i think what also doesn't help is the fact that everyone keeps throwing the third he's the third he's a third overall pick he should be playing like it and that's like 
I think that moniker needs to stop hitting on him because it, it's not it's not his fault. It's not the Kane's fault that he was a third overall pick. Like you're putting a lot of expectations on a guy who it's been clear that he wasn't developed right in Montreal. He he's been here for a couple of years and he's still figuring it out. And the familiarity, like Walt said, is still isn't there. So I think we need to kind of give him a break of like Montreal put him third. That's how's that Carolina's fault? They gave him a, they they gave him a contract that he deserves because they, he's still young. Like I don't think he's even twenty four yet. So like maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. On. Like maybe my expectations would be a little bit different if he had started with the Canes. If he had started with the Canes, and I'm like, all right, I know what this organization can do in growing players. Something's not clicking here. We need to see something right away. But like we haven't had the chance to really like we worked with them, but we didn't start with them from ground zero. So let the guy live. Let the guy do what he does. He's only 23. Like support him. I mean, he's got the whole place of Montreal against him. No one in Carolina should be against this man. Zach brings up a great point, I think, in talking about age, too. Um, there are guys who don't hit their primes, their career highs, until maybe late 20s, early 30s. I think he's got... 26, 27, 20 is usually the prime years, and a lot of our guys are not even 26 yet. Yeah, we we have... we our, The average age of our roster has increased from years past, but we still have a relatively young core full of guys who are still trying to find their top potential. Um, so I think being that critical is as critical as the critic criticism KK's gotten is in my in my opinion unwarranted. No, not everyone's Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews are gonna come light it up the minute they get into the league. Like that's just not how it works. And again, he's might not be being the top of the score sheet, but he's not weighing the team down. He is not causing goals to happen. He's not get doing. He's doing the defensive work. He's doing everything. He just at the moment cannot put the puck at the back of the net. Ugh, it's ridiculous. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Walt. We have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> Let it out. Let it out. <laughs> again, sorry. Last thing. We, people would be. Last season, people were also you know up in arms for a little bit because Turbo was not playing the way Turbo normally plays. We all understood like. Things were going on. Now Turbo came and started the season hot on fire. He was scoring like crazy, just like KK was. They're both doing great. Teravinen, that has decreased a little bit more, and he's got back to his assist role, which is not bad. And he played, played seventh D-man roles too, stopping pucks from always. the net. <laughs> but people, of course, aren't being like, well, Teravinen's not scoring anymore. Like They're not coming at him again because they're like, well, he's up there with Ajo's assisting, blah, blah, blah. His set, so you're like, okay, his role of assist, that's fine. KK is also getting assists. He's also playing the defensive work. He's same as Turbo. He's not scoring as much, but we're coming at KK more because of the pressure of where he was drafted, because of the pressure of his contract, and it's not fair to the kid. Like it's just really not. That's it. That's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Cap uh, mentioned his name in our rant, Dmitri Orlov. See, getting there. Um, familiarity, it's taken a long time. Like we all recall during Brent Burns' first season in Raleigh, mm -hmm. like it took Burns probably about a month or so. He was fine. Like once calendar got to like November, December, it's taken a little bit longer for Dimitri because he obviously doesn't have his height in the role. He's not getting quite those minutes. But uh, if the sample size as of late 
is any reflection. I think there's a lot to look forward to in the second half. I think there was a monumental moment there to close out the first half with him getting that late winner. And um, I look forward to what's to come. Speaking of sample size, Andrei Svechnikov. Hey, when he's healthy, it's a totally different team. It's such a completely more dynamic team when when he's healthy and when he's out there. Point blank, he's a game changer. Jordan Stahl. B. Uh, so good defensively. So good. I mean, we'll never get enough credit, Like much like we talk about points, when the Edmonton Oilers come to Raleigh, guess who's got the assignment of the McDavid line? When Nathan McKinnon comes to Raleigh next week, guess who's going to have the assignment of that line? Like, very few teams have a center that you can stick on an opposing top line like that and do the job that Jordan Stahl does. And it's, you know... Thankfully, some of the defensive metrics and analytics are becoming more topical these days um, because it's just it's hard to kind of quantify it, but he does such a good job. Jalen Chatfield. B, he earned the job. I mean, right? He was going up against a guy who was right D number one two seasons ago, and um, he showed that at five on five, he gets it done. I love that the motor is always running with Jalen. He's done a really nice job. I think if you asked him to find his first half, I think he would tell you that he probably expects a little bit more from himself. But you can't look at any game where you're like, oh, Chaffield was bad that game. Like he's, he's kind of just that middle, right? Like you're never going to probably never going to get a hat trick from him, but you're also probably never going to get him costing a game. Right. So um, I think he's done a really nice job. I'm I'm looking forward to that contract extension to keep him in Carolina because <laughs> he needs to stay here. He's yeah. Like you he's said, well, it. yeah, hundred percent. Like you can't, you cannot ask for any more out of a guy on your third pair who's been consistent night in night out and occasionally take you to, you know, Chapman do when he scores a goal. So yeah, no, he's, he's, he's another one of those guys that you're like, yep, lock him up. Like there's no reason why he shouldn't be here. So. Big credit to Tim Gleason, right? Who runs the blue line. Oh, like 100%. Yeah. He's done a wonderful job with him. And there's something to be said. People forget last year, Chatty had to beat out Ethan Bear and Dylan Coglin, and he won that race. This year, he was in a race with Tony D'Angelo. He won that race. Like the guy just gets it done, point blank. I love you say win that race because he's the fastest guy on the ice. Double <laughs> <laughs> meaning. I, like, I he's, I the one, he's the one if slave it like i'm like oh worry slave and we'll get back it's fine if there's someone else on the ice where i'm like oh my gosh it could be almost be a breakaway i'm like no just kidding chatty's like two men behind him but he'll beat him down the ice no problem it's fine i want i want to see a race between Sheffield, natchez and jarvis and see who would actually win that because man those guys got some hoils and andre svechnikov too i would love to see a, i would love to see a relay with those guys 2023 Ooh. fastest skater people forget <laughs> I mean, put some respect on that man's name. (laughs) I mean, they haven't just done it at practice yet. Like, come on, guys, just get on the end of the ice and go. Let's see it. Who gets to the other end? I mean, hey, put put some respect on uh, Jacob Slavin for your most accurate too. No one thought, no one thought he was going to do it. But put some respect on Jacob Slavin for putting on goalie gear. (laughs) That's all I want to talk about. Hey, hey, I was the fact too. He's, all, I think, I think he still might lead the team in shorthanded goals too. So I mean, just Jacob Slavin doing Jacob, right? Yeah, Jacob Slavin doing Jacob Slavin mm-hmm. things, and of course, you know, 
Hopefully, you know, I think he's a UFA after next season. So I know a lot of people Wait, are hoping. Is that the next guy we gotta gotta get a grading on, Jacob Slavin? <laughs> we can throw him in there. Well, <laughs> pick your grading very carefully here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it's really hard for me to give anything other than an A when it comes to Jacob. Like much like I was talking about with Jordan Stahl, like there are some things that will just never show up on paper that he does so good, uh, does so well. Excuse me, but like he uh, he again another guy who if you think about what this team would look like without Jacob Slavin. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to think no, about you just that. That's a scary <laughs> world. Don't bring that up. Don't exactly. you bring that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? I don't want. Exactly. I don't want none of that. No. Yeah. I mean, I would even. I mean, I'm biased, of course, but I would even give him an A plus. But I, um, we, we got the NHL 24 here, and so we were playing, and I was like, oh, I was telling a friend of mine, um, and I was like, oh, that's cider. I was like, what I wouldn't give if I had cider on the team with Jacob Slavin, and he was like. Let me see if I can trade for him. And they were like, no, that trade's not going to go through. And I was like, you don't understand. It is a dream in all instances that that is going to happen. But those two on the same team, the defense, the defense you would have. Basically, essentially, essentially Jacob Slavin needs to be a hurricane for life. And that's basically the only narrative we need to have. Until his number is in them rafters. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Four would look pretty good up there. Yeah, Hall of Fame night twenty forty seven or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jacob Slavin's like one year removed from retiring. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Two more names for you. Uh, okay. First one, maybe a little difficult considering the change that he's had uh, most recently. Martin Natchez. Yeah, that's hard, right? Because like he was underwhelming until late, and he's been good. So it's like. It's yeah. two. It's creating two different people. <laughs> <laughs> One's an A. One doesn't cut it. So I don't. I don't know what to say there. That's hard. But I hope we get the A version in the second half. And then we started off with a goalie. I'm going to end off with a goalie, on Tiranta. Yeah, that one's tough because he obviously has not had the season he's wanted to have had. I think somebody had told you in September that he'd play games in the minors this year, probably. Um, you know, probably look at you a little bit funny, but another player, like he's been good since he's come back. Like let's call it what it is. Like the Canes never expected 50 games from Antiranta this year. They're still not expecting 50 games. So if he can be that, you know, one B option, like if he can perform as he's performed late, given the C, given like the average, that's, that's all you can ask for. Right. Absolutely. Well, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for hopping on today's show with us. Before we head out, anything you want to plug? Now is your chance. The floor is yours. Um, well, first of all, thank you all very much. I appreciate it. I like that I've somehow locked myself into the spot of being the annual midseason guest. So, <laughs> um, But no, I mean, thanks to everybody who, who supports the Canes, who supports the work. Obviously, my like I discussed on the storm report question, like I think we we strive to do quality work and I speak on behalf of everybody in the department. So um, if there's anything you go to hurricanes.com and you can't find an answer for what you're looking for, then we've got a problem in my book. So um, hope everybody knows that anybody can reach out at any given time and I'll try and get it right. If there's something that you're looking for or a question that you need answered. And uh, thanks everybody for supporting the team. Kat, where can the people find you? 
Yeah, you can find me on Zach hates it. So on Twix at Kaniac Chick, or you can find me on uh, <laughs> TikTok at KVT Hunter seventy four. Um, and if you are ever at a home Canes game, uh, let me know. Might be able to say hi down in section one twenty one is our season ticket seat. So uh, yeah, let me know. Um, Bailey will be joining me here in the week or so, and so we'll be going to a couple Canes games out here. Let us know if you want to say hi. Zach, where can the people find you and the network? Yeah, so if you want to find the network, <laughs> is uh, the Hockey Podcast Network.com. Uh, a great group to be with over there. You know, if you're looking for a podcast for every team, they got it. Um, if you were looking for college hockey, they even got that too. Uh, I know Chris, uh, he's doing stuff for the PWHL over at the. Um, Ringside Rundown, too, covering everything for women's hockey. So make sure to check that out as well. And uh, Terry Ryan's even got a podcast with the network, too, and he just played for the Growlers uh, in the ECHL. So if you're looking for something, we probably got it. But, yeah, check out the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at One Sure Zach. That's only Sure Zach. It's actually spelled out. It's not number one itself. Uh, Instagram, Zach R. Martin 22 um, I do have a link tree uh, to where you can find my articles or even the podcast on both of those platforms as well. Um, I cover the Charlotte Checkers on the Calders. Oh, oh gosh, they came up with a new name. Calder Times. It. Calder Times, thank you. Yeah, they just changed the name, so I'm trying to get used to calling it Rebrand. that now. Rebrand. Rebrand. Um, <laughs> you, you can check out my Charlotte Checker stuff over there. Um and then I'm with the Hockey Writers covering the Carolina Hurricanes and dabbling a little bit with the Blue Jackets. Just, you know, got family back home from Ohio. You know, won some, you know, Ohio coverage. So I'm doing that for a little bit too. Um, <laughs> yeah, just check out that stuff over there. Bailey, where can people find you and the podcast? You can find me over on Twitter at Bailey Curtis. And that is Bailey with two Y's. Um, I cover things over on the YouTube side. So if you're watching this, hi, hello, how you doing? Uh, be sure to leave a comment down below. Uh, let us know your expectations for the season, how you might grade some of the players we talked about today. Leave a like and be sure to hit that big red subscribe button down below, as well as that bell notification icon so you never miss an episode. If you're not a YouTube type person, uh, we are on all listening platforms, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast, find us there. If you're looking at uh, where to find those podcasts, we you can check out our social media on X and Instagram, both at the Surgecast, we have a link tree in our bio there. Um, as far as my work goes, if you are interested in some AHL coverage, I cover the Colorado Eagles, the uh, proud AHL affiliate of the Colorado Avalanche out here. Um, be sure to follow me over on Twitter and uh, look at the Calder Times for my coverage over there as well. Uh, but with that, uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Walt, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, that'll do it for our show. I'm Bailey. I'm Zach. I'm Kat. <laughs> and unfortunately without Walt, we will see you next time here. <laughs> <laughs>